0: These stories sometimes contain mature content and language for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I didn't give myself the option to quit. I didn't give myself the option to fail. That just wasn't even in the picture. And every time I did start to think about suicide or things like that got really dark for me, I, I feel like if I give up, then they win.
0: Welcome to Digging Deep, True Stories of Big Change. Each episode of this podcast digs deep into one person's story of change to reveal a little bit about how and why we make big changes in our lives and what can be learned from these experiences. I'm your host, Kelly Stiring, founder and principal researcher from Insight Farm, a consultancy that helps companies learn from their customers and consumers through deep conversation and connection, often told as stories like the one you'll hear on this podcast. So let's get the conversation started. Today's guest is Jemima Ferris, co host of the podcast Butterflies and Bravery, a frank discussion of religious and cult trauma. Ferris was born into and survived the Children of God, a notoriously abusive cult. As an adult, Ferris is abruptly excommunicated and then struggles with addiction before ultimately becoming the sober, values driven person you'll hear from today. I hope you find the discussion as informative and fulfilling as I did. So why don't we start with where you are now in life? How are you doing?
1: I'm actually probably doing better than I've ever done. In what Um, way? In the way that I have stability. I have a stable job. I've been there for eight years. Um, I own a home. I, I'm not necessarily like financially stable. That's constantly a struggle for me. But it's it's the first time in my life that I've been free of the cult I grew up in and free of the addictions that I had afterwards. Cause those really, I think those really retarded or hampered my growth. I feel like I was very stunted by the self-medicating that I did because instead of helping me to learn and grow, the ways that I needed to after leaving the cult I grew up in, that basically just stopped everything, stopped all the feelings, stopped all the thought. All I could really think about was how to get my next fix. And that pretty much took all of my time between working and being a mother and a wife and all of that.
0: It's a pretty busy life, right? It so, is. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you're growing now. What types of growth are, are interesting you or what are you investing yourself in?
1: I'm investing in myself, really, because I feel like as someone that has had a lot of difficulties in life, I, I tend to do a lot of self-loathing and not taking care of myself in the ways that I should. Basically, after I had all of the addictions that I did have and recovered from, I had to find something to replace them with. Like you can't just take it away. You have to sort of bring something else in, in its place. And honestly, my podcast that has been a huge growth spurt for me because I'm constantly focusing on my mental health. And I make a commitment to it.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the podcast. What's it about?
1: So my podcast is called butterflies and bravery. And I started it with my best friend. We both were born and raised in the children of God cult and didn't escape until our twenties. I was in my mid to late twenties when I finally left as a single mother and we, have always wanted to do something to put to use all of the sufferings and the difficult things that we went through, but we didn't know what to do or how to do it. So last year, my best friend came up with the idea of doing a podcast and having other survivors come on and tell their stories. The reason and the vision behind it was that we got tired of the media taking our stories and twisting them to their advantage because... You go on like a documentary or People Magazine, which I was in, and they get your story, but then they rephrase the whole thing and put it, basically they take your pictures and put it into their picture, however it fits. And we didn't really like that as survivors ourselves. We wanted our stories to be told the way that they actually were, not the way that someone else wanted to see them. We call it trauma porn. Like people get so fascinated by this Oh my God, what happened to her? Oh, her father touched her when she was, and oh. And then there's no like happy, you know, learning thing from it or no like, okay, but but this is what came out of that. It's all just kind of the pain and suffering sort of aspect of it. So we started the podcast, Butterflies and Bravery, with the hopes of having ourselves and our stories told the way that we wanted them and the stories of other survivors
0: Excellent. Well, it's an excellent podcast. I've had a chance to listen to it and I learned, I learned a lot. I think what would be helpful for my listeners would be to go back in time and talk a little bit about children of God. I know almost nothing about it. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what it is and what you experienced there?
1: Sure. Yes. Um, it was started by David Berg in um, 1968, I believe 68, 69, late sixties, early seventies. Um, he basically kind of hooked the hippies. He would give them like donuts and coffee and stuff, but not until after his sermon. And instead of preaching like the dull, normal churches were, he was kind of a more, uh, Pentecostal. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but very lively. He used taglines like revolution for Jesus. So that everybody would kind of get into this sort of thing. They did a lot of, love bombing. Basically they recruited pretty much anybody that wanted to forsake and leave their whole entire life and universe that they had and join this cult. It started out very purely. If you look back in the original rules, it was no, no sex before marriage. You had to have your Bible, very few possessions, live like Jesus's disciples. That was sort of the way it started. And then it what it progressed into was something mm-hmm. entirely different it it progressed into basically they all the hippies started having kids and that was us and they didn't know what to do with them i was one of the first 50 or 100 kids born into the children of god so we were basically their kind of guinea pigs and they decided that sex with children was okay sex with your own children was okay sex with anybody was okay as long as it was done in love the premise was that if it's done in love, it's not harmful to the child. It's not harmful. It's it's helpful and loving to everybody.
0: And where did that direction come from? Did that come from the top?
1: Yes. Yes. That came from, that came from father David. He was a pedophile from the get go. He wrote missives. Basically he would publish um, letters. They called them the mo letters Because he likened himself unto Moses, David. It's very bizarre. And there's a lot, I mean, it's a lot to it, but it was communal living. The basis of it was communal living. We lived in big, huge colonies, sometimes hundreds of people, free sex, which later changed. It changed a lot as it went.
0: How did you get to a moment where you decided to leave?
1: I actually got excommunicated for smoking pot. Um, (laughs) Best pot I ever smoked. It was my freedom weed. (laughs) And I didn't even know it. It's amazing how those defining times in your life, you don't even know a lot of times that this is going to be a defining moment of my life. You're not going into it as such. You're just, you know, having a party or something. And then something like that happens and it becomes a defining moment. So yeah, I was excommunicated for smoking pot. And then I was actually going to go back because it's all I ever knew. They told us the world was evil and everybody was out to get you. And if you leave, you're just going to be a prostitute. And this one lady left and she got murdered. So they're all like, see, that's what happens. That's what happens when you leave. So we were terrified. I mean, just terrified to leave because in our world, everything was evil and bad outside and inside was all that was good.
0: And when you say we, are you talking about you and your child or were there others that left with you?
1: I left with my child and with one of my friends, because when I got excommunicated, she was just like, okay, well, we'll I'll leave too. We were required to live with at least four adults at the time when we left. The requirements were to have four, four adults. So we were living in an apartment with two other adults and then us two adults and our little kids. So they're the ones that reported on me. Yeah. I was going to go back, but then I met the son of the leader of the cult who eventually committed murder-suicide. His name is Ricky Rodriguez. He was the one that really showed me the truth of what was happening behind the scenes. Him and another leader that wrote a letter called No Regrets. And it was basically exposing all of the things that were going on behind the scenes that none of us knew about. Like Father David was wanted by Interpol for child molestation.
0: And so you, you have this path where where you've left and you have some support. You have a friend with you, but you also have some little kids. How do we go from there to addiction?
1: It basically started out kind of slowly. I got addicted to pills because I was working and I have fibromyalgia. So I was in pain. I didn't know at the time that I had fibromyalgia, but I was always in constant pain. So all the waitresses were taking pills. And so I thought, oh, great idea. This will help me. I can, you know, you can't go wait on somebody and say, oh, my foot hurts. Give me your money. You have to be like, hi. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of, it, it led into it slowly. And it was the same thing with, after I kicked the pill addiction and the drinking, I picked up with the meth addiction. And that was basically the same thing. It started out as, I'm just gonna have a little for work, just give me a little pep, little get up and go. I'm really tired. Chronic fatigue is part of fibromyalgia. And then it started out really slowly like that. And eventually I was, a very heavy user.
0: And so how did you get to a point where you were ready for a change?
1: It was a little bit different with each addiction that I went through with the pills. It actually took me getting to a very extreme point of taking lethal doses. I was taking like 50 milligrams of Percocet at a time, which is 10 times the the normal given dose that wasn't doing it for me anymore. And (laughs) that's when I was like, Oh, I think I have a problem. (laughs) I'm like, I'm taking the highest dose of Oxycontin and Percocet at the same time and not doing it for me. I'm like, I have a problem. So I I also had lost my job, so I could not support my addiction any longer. That had a lot to do with it. But I just got 10 Suboxins from my dealer, which are what they give you to get off of pills. And I took 10 of those. And then I just went cold turkey after that. I had a good job. I was making $50,000 a year waiting tables in a casino. So I was able to afford my addictions, but that kind of abruptly ended.
0: What was the moment that inspired you to kick the meth?
1: I don't know if there was any one particular moment. My family was falling apart. My husband wanted a divorce. My daughter was in juvie. I basically, I basically realized that I had to choose. I basically had to choose life or drugs There's really no way that you can make both come together. It's like a fork in the road and trying to make the two roads come together. They're not they're not gonna be. It doesn't work. And
0: it's okay, take
1: take your time. (laughs) I knew that if I kept doing drugs that I was gonna lose basically the only thing I had left which was my family and even at that point my family was fractured because my stepson had molested my daughter and I had to call and put him in jail for that
0: there's a lot of trauma there's a lot of trauma let's take a deep breath let's do a breathing exercise let's take a deep (laughs) breath let let your confidence come in (sighs) let your fears and doubts go out (sighs) just take a deep breath. It helps. It really does take, yes, it does bring it in the confidence sure. shout because those days are behind you now. Yes. Those days Thankfully. are behind you. I'm curious about what type of support you had. So when you kicked the pills, you said, I got this replacement. I did it myself. Did you have any other support at that time? No, you did that by no. yourself.
1: I did that by myself. My husband didn't even know that I had the addiction. I hid it from everybody, only my dealers, and that's basically it. New. So that I completely kicked on my own without even telling him that I was doing it. And then the same the meth, my my biggest support was was my husband and my daughter. I didn't go to any meetings. I didn't, I'm not religious. So I wasn't turning to a God or anything of that sort. I, I just, I did it for myself. I mean, I really did. I did it. I did it alone.
0: And how do you feel about yourself now?
1: Pretty fucking amazing. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if it's okay to swear. (laughs) Of course.
0: Yeah. I just put a little disclaimer. If people do, I I swear like a sailor, (laughs) but if people swear during the interview, I just put a little ding at the beginning that says, dude, don't be a pussy. There's some language. (laughs) 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 Like, go, go listen to something else. This bothers you. (laughs) Um, It is incredible how people can listen to all of the trauma that you've been through and they get offended by a a word. You're like, no, you should be offended by everything that this person has been through. This is where people put their is Amazing to me. So talk to me about why you're feeling terrific.
1: I didn't realize at the times when I was kicking these habits, how hard it is to do, like how 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 much the odds were stacked against me. I I just did it. Everything that I basically after I left the cult, I just people always ask me, like, how did you do it? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just did it. I didn't basically I did not give myself the option to not do it. I didn't give myself the option to quit. I didn't give myself the option to fail. That just wasn't even in the picture. And every time I did start to think about suicide or things like that got really dark for me. I, I feel like if I give up, then they win. And I couldn't let that happen.
0: Let's clarify one thing. My impression is that you didn't join the cult. How is it that you found yourself in this cult?
1: My mother joined the cult, the children of God, when she was pregnant with me. It's actually a very interesting story. A a party bus of hippies came to where I'm living currently um, in Idaho to recruit my father because one of his best friends had joined and they knew my dad was a musician. So they wanted to come and get him because musicians were central to the success of the cult. And he was like, hell no, that's insane. I'm not going. My mom was like, oh yeah, great idea. I'm going to go she just up and left my dad. They were married. She was pregnant, just walked out. They camped nearby overnight. And my dad said that he went and took his rifle and he sat out by their tents and he was just going to kill them all. And then he didn't. And he left. And he said that that's his biggest regret.
0: After you left the children of God, did she stay?
1: Yes. My mom was in the children of God for quite a while. I think after I left, I didn't really try to pay attention to it, but I believe that she was. The catalyst for the cult really crumbling was the murder-suicide that Ricky Rodriguez did in 2005. Basically after that, the whole thing started to disintegrate.
0: You still have relationships with other survivors?
1: I do, I have a, a very big network. Everybody needs a community. Everybody needs a place to stay and a place to understand and a place where people can understand them generally the world in general does not understand this because you can't understand what it's like to grow up in a cult unless you grow up in a cult. It's not, it's not going to church. It's not having a few extra rules. It's all encompassing. I mean, we had to report what our poop looked like, what whether we had sex, who we had sex with, whether we had full intercourse or not. I mean, down to the nitty gritty details of our lives were ruled in every single way.
0: So you faced some challenges in your life and, and it seems to me that you kind of reached deep within yourself to overcome some things and you, and you made some decisions that it was time for you. What advice do you have for other people who are struggling and may want to make the kind of changes that you've made?
1: Don't give up. Don't make a permanent decision for a temporary feeling. One thing that I've learned that I think is absolutely key, two things. Number one, love yourself. That's, I feel that's the most important thing in your healing from anything because almost every trauma allows or causes you to doubt yourself and to not love yourself the way that you should. So That's my first, my first and foremost thing is find a way to love yourself, learn to love yourself, figure out, know that you are special and you're the only person that can ever be you. So you might as well do it. (laughs) And number two is to find your values because a lot of times when you're unhappy, it's because you're living out of line with your values but sometimes you don't even know what they are. So if you haven't defined your values concretely, then you probably are unhappy because you're living out of line with them. And once you realize what your values are and then bring yourself back into line with them, you can learn to have a happy life. It's not easy. The pain and the scars will never go away, but you can learn to live with them and to bear them proudly.
0: How would you describe your values? Are you comfortable sharing that?
1: Sure. My values are family and the love of my family and my friends and integrity, dedication to myself, to whatever I decide to do. Whatever I do, I do it all the way. You know, if you're going to do something, do it or, or else just don't <laughs> and empathy for others, I think is extremely important. Be kind, basically be kind because you never, you never know what somebody has gone through or is going through the person you're passing in the supermarket could have just lost their wife or their mother. And another thing, don't compare comparative suffering. Don't do it. Trauma Olympics. It's not the trauma Olympics. Everybody suffers. What you suffered may have been 20 times worse than somebody else, but to them, what they suffered is 20 times worse than what you suffered, because it's their suffering. It's always going to be your hurt that hurts the worst.
0: It's, it's interesting how you came from this place of pain to this place of, of flourishing. It really does tie back um, to your podcast in some ways, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. I feel like that was kind of the, the rocket propeller booster that put us put me on my healing trajectory.
0: What do you think butterflies and bravery means to you?
1: It means overcoming the difficult things in life and coming out on the other side better. Sometimes people that have gone through trauma tend to feel like they're less than everyone else. But I think we can show that we're more than because we've been through some really difficult things and everybody suffers in their life. I'm sure the list, anybody listening has been through difficulties in their life as well. Just remember to stay brave and that every butterfly was once a caterpillar.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Digging Deep, True Stories of Big Change. I'm your host, Kelly Stiring, founder and principal researcher from Insight Farm. At Insight Farm, we help companies make their products better through conversation and connection with consumers, often told as stories like the one you've heard today. If you'd like us to help you with consumer research, or if you'd like to participate in this podcast and tell your story, reach out at www.insightfarm.com. We look forward to the conversation.